Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Amafidon. Thanks for tuning in. Election results are in from Tuesday's day at the polls. Check out what voters in High Park and West Roxbury had to say about the issues at hand. Tuesday was election day in Boston's neighborhoods and voters came out to the polls to elect leaders who care about the issues facing Boston residents. There's so much turmoil in the world that I believe it's important that we have someone in leadership who can bring people together and help people come to uh, an understanding, a resolution, and a way for people to be able to live peacefully together, even though they may disagree on certain issues. Depending on your district, you may have seen some new contenders in the race for Boston City Council. Resident concerns range from establishing a livable wage for all Bostonians to dealing with the growing traffic in our streets. The biggest thing for me is a livable, common sense minimum wage because with a minimum wage that people can actually live off of, you'll see uh, people's time, people have like more free time, and which means that they'll be more available to participate in the community, they'll be more available to participate in local elections, they'll get involved with like, um, <laughs> they'll get involved with local government. With prices going up, I feel like there should be a balance between people being able to make enough for the prices of a lot of things going up from food to gas to even rent a place to live. So I feel like there should be a balance so people are able to maintain themselves. I think they're the same issues that, that have been around for many years. I mean, I've had school-aged children, so schooling was always an issue for me. Nowadays, traffic is a big issue, particularly in West Roxbury, where I'm from. Um, and, you know, uh, like I say, having people that are willing to think it through and to try to draw people into the conversation and come up with some solutions. Election polls closed at 8 p.m., and as voters waited for the results, they're hopeful that whoever emerges from the count will have their best interests in mind. In Boston City Councilor-at-Large race, incumbent councilors Rupsi Louisjean, Aaron Murphy, and Julia Mejia kept their seats, and Henry Santana was elected to the council. At the district level, John M. Fitzgerald won District 3, Enrique Pepin won District 5, Benjamin Jacob Weber won District 6, and Sharon E. Durkin won District 8. Congratulations to all. There are 574 federally recognized Native American tribes in the United States, with 16 alone in the Northeast region. The mayor's office honored the culture and traditions of indigenous peoples at City Hall Plaza. November is Native American Heritage Month, and city residents joined Mayor Wu and the North American Indian Center of Boston in a traditional ceremony of fire at Boston City Hall. Fire is simply so much more than a space to socialize around. Fire is and has always been a space that offers healing and meditation. It has been a space for me to be in relation with my creator and my ancestors. It has been a space for me to learn about traditions and to learn about other indigenous communities. This moment is an act of creating space to connect which is something that we are very much in need of right now. The state of our world needs healing and love more than ever. The use of fire in Native American culture symbolizes life and the gifts offered by the land they live on. Native communities believe that fire is a source of connection between us and our ancestors. Fire has been 
and continues to be an integral part of our Native community's culture and practices, a tool for shaping the land to yield fruit and crops, to herd animals, to prevent larger, more devastating burns. Since the first people made their homes in the fields and the forests, fire has been a source of heat and healing, light and life itself. Indigenous communities have endured genocide, marginalization, forced relocation, and poverty due to European colonization. The North American Indian Center of Boston is committed to empowering the Native American community and improving the quality of life of Indigenous peoples. For American Indians, we uh, have had a history over the past few centuries in terms of like uh, upholding our traditional ways of knowledge, upholding our own uh, cosmology, which has uh, empowered us to live sustainably on these lands uh, since time immemorial. Unfortunately, because of colonization, because of that disruption, uh, a lot of us have been displaced, a lot of that language has been lost. But we are now at a time in which uh, Native peoples are reclaiming um, their heritage, reclaiming their languages, reclaiming their knowledge, and, and looking towards a better future. Indigenous people have various ceremonies that we can share and w want to be able to share with other people's traditions uh, as part of the fabric of a city that has many cultures in it. And ours being uh, the oldest, we've been here 10,000 years, uh, it's important to, uh, to practice and recognize you know, what we've done over the years and how we've coped with coexisting. Native American Heritage Month acknowledges the tribulations that Native American communities have faced as it celebrates the culture born from indigenous communities. This November, we honor the history of their fight to protect their people and traditions. On Monday, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, Attorney General Andrea Campbell, and Mayor Michelle Wu joined forces to help student loan borrowers access a limited opportunity for student loan forgiveness. With the highest concentration of colleges and universities, the city of Boston is brimming with young adults starting their higher education journey. While this beginning should be one of hope and opportunity, many students are plagued with insurmountable debt once they earn their degree. This week, Massachusetts leadership gathered at Boston City Hall to share financial relief through the Public Service Student Loan Forgiveness Clinic. At the federal level, there's one program that we're here to talk about today, the Public Service Student Loan Forgiveness Program. The idea of it is simple. If you take out student loans to build a career in public service, the government will forgive your loan balance after 10 years of payments. But for so many years, this program just didn't work. More than 90% of borrowers were turned down when they applied. And that caught the attention of our Attorney General, Congresswoman, and Senator. Through advocacy and litigation, they pushed through changes to this program so that it can live up to the promises to our workers. On October 1st, student loan payments resumed for the first time since before the pandemic, with many borrowers unsure of what to do. The Office of the Attorney General is available to give assistance to public service workers who have questions about loan forgiveness. Notably, student debt disproportionately burdens women who collectively hold two-thirds of all student debt and people of color. 
making income and wealth gaps for these groups even wider. That's why the Attorney General's Office, serving as the student loan ombudsman for Massachusetts, is dedicated to providing guidance and resources to help borrowers navigate the incredibly complex federal loan repayment system and pursue debt relief. The PSLF program forgives the remaining balance on direct loans after borrowers have made 10 years of payments while working 30 or more hours a week for the government or nonprofit organizations. Teachers who dedicated their lives to educate our babies, but who stood to lose their licensure to teach if they didn't pay off their loans. Grandmothers in their 70s having their social security payments garnished. Young couples who want to grow their families, buy a home, start a business, but can't because of the ballooning student loan debt. And of course, black and brown borrowers who have been systematically denied the opportunity to own or build generational wealth in that black Americans were locked out of every major federal relief program in this country from the GI Bill to the Homestead Act and then continue to be targeted by redlining. In Massachusetts alone, residents carry $31 billion in student loan debt, with the average person owing just over $34,000. Loan forgiveness is making new lives and dreams possible. Public service loan forgiveness changed my life in many ways. Due to forgiveness, I was finally able to make my dream come true this past August when I became a first-time homebuyer. I never, I never thought home ownership was within my reach. Now I am eagerly anticipating decorating my new home for my first Christmas and realizing the gift of financial freedom. For a limited time until December 31st, the Biden-Harris administration is offering a payment count adjustment, which will give government and nonprofit workers credit towards forgiveness for past repayment periods that would not normally qualify. To learn more, please visit mass.gov forward slash student dash loan dash assistance. Workers at Boston's Fenway REI store walked out in protest over several firings and successfully closed the store. Union members and city councilors at large, Ed Flynn and Julia Mejia, joined REI Green Vest in their union action last Saturday. BNN Zayden Stein has more. It may surprise some to hear that their dad's favorite outdoor store is currently at the center of union busting accusations and walkouts, but that is the case at the REI Boston Co-op here today. A recent round of sudden layoffs affected hundreds of REI's most seasoned staffers as the lead title was removed from all branches. 275 leads, including five at the Fenway location, were fired without being offered any of the 1,300 new job postings. I was laid off in the middle of doing my job and told not to come back. Um, and that is scary for everybody who's still working in this store. Um, I worked building this union with my coworkers because we believe in each other, we want to fight for each other, and we want to fight 
uh, to keep this company accountable to its stated values. Uh, and we want to fight for a life outdoors, and we can't do that if we can't pay rent and we can't pay our bills. I gave REI 12 years, three stores, all departments. And my story is not alone. There are others in that 275 just like me. The staff hopes to bring a meaningful change to the co-op through a union with UFCW 1445. Today we speak in one voice. We speak in one voice and today we are REI workers with you today. And I have a message for REI from those 100,000 union members and their families. If we don't get it, if we don't get it, if we don't get it, REI has stated that they are negotiating in good faith with unionized workers in response to their restructuring plans. However, a lack of progress is what led many to this walkout. They called it a layoff, but we know that they fired these workers because they were a lot of them were involved at the bargaining table and they were really open union supporters. Um, we are asking REI to reinstate these workers because we believe it was an anti-union move. And asking REI to come to the bargaining table and actually negotiate instead of surface bargaining because they come in, have a couple of sessions with us, and they're just stalling, stalling, stalling the effort. So. The dismissals happened without a union lawyer present, and workers have been refused severance collection until a pending unfair labor practice lawsuit is revoked by the unionized workers. We're just not willing to um, sign away everyone else's rights, um, and that's really what the company is asking us to do. And what is happening here is that people are taking advantage of our workforce. People are, people are disregarding and devaluing you. And when you stand up, right, to the powers that be, you demonstrate the power of the people. A big year for unionization efforts, Boston's REI was the fifth to organize in the country, with several of the other unionized stores also organizing walkouts and protests for the layoffs. Reporting from Fenway, this is Aiden Stein for BNN News. Two Boston organizations teamed up for fall fun and a composting lesson. BNN's Garrett Adamsev found out where the food waste in Jamaica Plain is ending up. Pumpkin smashing and bashing. This is the second annual Great Pumpkin Smash on November 4th, where people can get rid of their Halloween pumpkins and learn about the composting process. The Massachusetts Food System Collaborative says residents wasted 950,000 tons of food in 2019, and volunteers wanted to change that. How you, the kids can fill up the compost with the pumpkins here and cart it off to the truck that the city has brought so that they can see it's part of a whole cycle. Mary Brady says the city brought this truck and the crowd with it. This is the second year. It's the first year that we've done it with the city of Boston. It's much larger. Once the paint and wax is scraped off, the pumpkins need to be broken down. Then, volunteers load them up to be processed. Tommy Hayes, an environmental science teacher at the English High School, brought his students with the hope that they learn something to bring back home. Um, many times, uh, young people know better what to do than the older generation, so they should be teaching their parents and their grandparents and really helping us all make a difference. 
Boston officials say that the waste from these pumpkins is headed to a specialized plant to make non-toxic compost. After that, it's heading to the Boston curbside food waste collection, where after two or three years, they hope to have enough of a supply for use by the community. For BNN News, I'm Garrett Adamson. Medicare open enrollment season is upon us. Field outreach consultant Heather Hurd joined us over Zoom to discuss the ins and outs of the Medicare system and what open enrollment entails. Here's the interview. It's a very busy time for people on Medicare because this is Medicare open enrollment. And this affects people every single year who are already on Medicare, and they may be looking to purchase private plans that go together with Medicare or change their plans. And then throughout the year, there are people going on to Medicare all the time. Medicare is health insurance for people age 65 and older. And then some people are covered at a younger age due to disability after two years of disability. So it's federal health insurance from the federal government. All right, excellent. And do you have to enroll in Medicare? Well, people don't have to enroll in Medicare if they keep working beyond age 65. Some people like what they do and they continue, continue to work and they're covered by an employer plan. And in that case, if their employer plan has 20 employees or more, they can uh, stay with the employer coverage and delay going on to Medicare. But if that employer is under 20 employees or perhaps that person's self-employed, they should go on to Medicare at age 65. And if they're no longer working or covered by their spouse's plan, they should go on to Medicare at age 65. And the reason for that is they don't have any insurance. They don't have um, you know, coverage from the federal government um, if they don't have an employer plan and they're not covered you know, some other way, perhaps by a spouse. And uh, there are a lot of options, but what's new this year with coverage? Well, Medicare health coverage, um, there, there, are, there is something new, and that is it actually took place last, in 2023. The Inflation Reduction Act that was passed by Congress last year is uh, trying to rein in some costs of health care services, in particular pharmacy costs. And the Inflation Reduction Act last year uh, mandated that insulins, covered insulins for people with diabetes, would not uh, cost more than $35 copays. Mm. So that was huge because there are, I think, like 30 million people um, in the country who have diabetes and who take insulins. And insulins can be quite expensive. So now when someone's on a Medicare plan, this affects people on Medicare. So far, not before Medicare, not under 65. But people on Medicare, if they were taking insulins, their insulins are now capped at $35 copays. And I do believe that law, Inflation Reduction Act, is um, there will be some incremental changes taking place over the next few years that will rein in some prescription costs. But Medicare benefits have pretty much looked the same <laughs> since 1965. There's hospital coverage under Medicare Part A. There's outpatient and doctor coverage under Medicare Part B. That's original Medicare A and B. And A is free for most people. Part B has a monthly premium that most people pay. 
And in 2024, that will be 174.10, the mm. Medicare Part B monthly cost. It's deducted from a Social Security check. Usually, if someone's not collecting Social Security, um, you know, people can delay Social Security until age 70 if they want, but they can go on to Medicare at 65. In that case, Medicare will bill them for that Part B premium. Um, in a few years back, there were a lot of preventive services added into Medicare that didn't exist in the beginning. So things like yearly wellness visits, annual mammograms, annual PSA screenings, these things are covered 100% under Medicare. Wonderful. And what is the best piece of advice for individuals who are facing Medicare decisions right now? Well, so the people who are already on Medicare, this is Medicare open enrollment. So it's a good idea for you to just be informed of what your options are. You know, maybe your plan is the best plan for you and just stay with it and it'll roll over till the next year. But maybe there are some other options out there. So just be familiar with it. Um, you can usually get that information on Medicare's website. That's medicare.gov or gov. Also at your local senior centers, there are SHINE counselors there. These are people who can help you understand the different insurance options that are out there if you have questions. So for the people on Medicare, you know, reevaluate every year. But the best piece of advice I can give to, for the people who are not yet on Medicare is don't wait until a month before your 65th birthday to learn about Medicare and learn about the plans, start early. Iconic leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X are largely known for spearheading the civil rights movement. But one man whose story hasn't been told is Baird Rustin, a gay civil rights leader who fought alongside Dr. King for equality and freedom. Well, he's now the subject of a new film produced by Barack and Michelle Obama, highlighting his life and struggles through the civil rights movement. Emmy winner Coleman Domingo stars in Rustin, which will be released in select theaters and available to stream on Netflix on November 17th. It depicts Rustin's venture to gather thousands of people to march on Washington in 1963. The march was momentous for the civil rights movement. Recently, BNN joined moviegoers for a special film screening of Rustin, hosted by Blackmail Productions and Boston LGBTQ Plus Museum at AMC Boston Common. Here's a look at reactions from viewers and a word from former President Barack Obama. Rustin tells Byard's story, but it's not just about him. It's about the thousands of ordinary folks from all walks of life, many of them no older than my daughters who showed the world what America looks like at our best. All these years later, their work and their spirit continues to give us a roadmap for confronting the injustices of our time. This was an empowering film. Makes me proud of those who helped bring it here, Nigel, you and Spencer. This is an important film because it shows you how one person navigated and did what he did for the betterment of all of us, and his legacy still lives, so thank you so much. I was immensely engrossed in the history. Many facts that were portrayed I never knew, and I found that Bayard had such a foundation behind him. For young people, the importance of a movie like this is to understand how Bayard carried himself in spite 
of all what he'd been through. Thanks for tuning in, Boston. That's our broadcast for tonight. Next week, BNN will be in Vermont for the ACM Northeast Conference, so there will be no broadcast on Friday, November 17th. For BNN News, I'm Faith Amaphidon. Have a great evening.